Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. Touch on some of the things that we mentioned last week, so let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the great Savior, the great Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts today through the book of Jonah. We pray for insight, we pray for revelation, we pray for truth. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in this season and at this time. And Lord, I pray for you to speak through me and help me to speak clearly so that the word that you intend for us to receive, we receive it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. So we left off the first two chapters of Jonah was God's call to Jonah to go to Nineveh. And I gave you some background on Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which had been harassing Israel for many, many, many years. And ultimately, uh, Assyria ends up overthrowing the northern kingdom of Israel. So Jonah has reason not to want to go to these people. Everybody said Jonah had a reason. But how many of you know just because you have a reason doesn't mean that you can't obey God? <laughs> Everybody has a reason why they should do what they want to do. But when God says do something, your reasons stop. <laughs> Amen. There's no more reasoning. He told you to go and now you go. Well, Jonah does not go. Jonah goes the opposite or in a different direction. I don't know if it's opposite. He went to Tarshish. And uh, Tarshish is not, definitely not Nineveh. And as he was going, the waves got rough and the people got scared. And all of a sudden, they realized it was Jonah causing all the trouble. Jonah just told them to throw me overboard. <laughs> we don't, don't start that. We definitely say that last time. But, uh, and they threw him overboard. And the, the Bible says that a big fish or a whale or whatever you want to call them, I don't know of a, a fish that's big enough to swallow him other than a whale, but if you want to play that, we can just say he was a fish. And he swallowed Jonah, and Jonah's praying in the belly of the fish. And then all of a sudden, it says, the Lord spoke. Everybody say, the Lord spoke. To the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So how many know that when God speaks, even the animals have to obey? Amen. So Jonah's now gets a new reprieve. So we pick up there in chapter 3. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Everybody say the second time. Now I want to say this, and I don't want to get too sidetracked because we'll come back to some of this stuff. But just remember, God does give you second opportunities. Amen? I mean, just because you missed it once doesn't mean you won't get another chance. And I, I'm a firm believer, and I'm a firm disbeliever in that 
You have one opportunity to succeed, and once you miss it, you're done. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you only get one chance in life. When you serve God, there are multiple chances. Amen? But anyway, back to the story. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <clears throat> so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not eat. let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily to God, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. We can t who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4 says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord God, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life for me, from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the hill of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah and it might, that it might shade, be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as the morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm and so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be so angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a day. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock? So that's Jonah, the whole book of Jonah. Yep, it's, it's a very short book, but Jesus, as we talked about last week, makes specific reference to Jonah. And I said this because a lot of people, even some people that we would know if I called their names, they treat Jonah like it's a mythological story. 
They said, well, you know, it's, it has a wonderful message, but I'm not so sure that anybody who was swallowed by a fish could survive, first of all, and then all that. You know, it's, it's like, a, a, like a, a, a Greek mythology, but I told you that all the tough stories in the Bible, Jesus authenticated. Did you know that? We talked about last week, everybody remember Lot's wife, right? What happened to Lot's wife? She turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus makes reference to Lot's wife in his story. Uh, the flood, everybody has a problem with the flood. Oh, there was no worldwide flood. Well, Jesus talks about as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the, when the, in the coming of the Son of Man. And he tells, explains what's going to be happening just like it happened with Noah. And so he now, then, he, then they asked Jesus for a sign, and he tell them, there's no sign going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the earth three days and three nights. So Jesus authenticates stories that human mind, the human mind cannot comprehend. And when Jesus puts his stamp on it, it's been approved. Amen? But let's talk about some of the things. So we talked about context. So let's talk about what is the context of Jonah's story. Well, it's really a small context. Jonah, who is a person, is a prophet. He's told to do something. He doesn't want to do it. And therefore, he gets punished for being disobedient. Then he gets the second chance, he obeys, he goes, he preaches, they repent, he gets mad about that, and God tries to help him understand that people are important no matter what nation they live in. So that's the context. So the question is, what can we pull out of the context of this story? Well, we know that if you don't obey the, the word of the Lord, what happens according to the Old Testament prophets? There's, you're going to be punished for it, right? The Bible talks about he would rather you obey. Samuel said this to Saul. He would rather that you obey than sacrifice. Amen? Yes. Meaning that we... we they thought that if you made a sacrifice, that covered everything. But no, he says, I would rather you obey what I say than to try to cover it with sacrifice. Amen? So obedience brings forth blessing, but in one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 and 27, disobedience brings forth what the Bible calls a curse, but it's not a curse as we think of like magic curses, it brings forth destruction or bad experiences, if you will. Amen? So remember that we talked about a few things. That we, you have to keep things in the context. So, so we, can, we cannot pull from the book of Jonah that if we don't obey God, that a, a whale or a fish is going to swallow us, right? We can't, we can't get that from the scripture, right? Amen? That's the context of his story. But what we can pull out of that is if you don't obey, there may be consequences to your disobedience. That's what you can pull from the scripture. 
And everybody knows that because we walk around saying, you going to reap what you sow. That's one of Annis' old song. So, so be good and so love. <laughs> so we all know you're going to reap what you sow. That's the same principle in the book of Jonah. Now, let's, let's, let's unpack Jonah a little bit. Now, remember, Jonah does, remember the Jewish people didn't have much good to say about anybody, really. They were the chosen people, and everybody else were just Gentiles, right? So it's very unusual, everybody say unusual, for God to choose a prophet of Israel to go speak to a Gentile nation. Amen? The Jews were, and I think I've shared this with you guys, but if I haven't or if you don't remember it, the Jews were not given a great commission like the church was. The Jews were told to be a light on the hill so that everybody who sees you will come to the hill. The biggest and the greatest picture of that we see is when uh, Solomon and the kingdom of Israel the United Kingdom of Israel was at, it, at its apex. Solomon had built the temple, and he had all these nations flooding into the nation of Israel just to see what God had done in that nation. Amen? We know about the queen of the south, right? Which is probably, many say that's the queen of Ethiopia or an African nation. So she comes, she brings spices, and she brings all sorts of things, and she sits and listens to Solomon, and she sees all the glory of his kingdom and all these. And then, but the Bible does not say it was only her. If you read that passage after this, it many kings came all the time looking to hear from Solomon's wisdom. Solomon didn't go out, but they came to Solomon. And that was the, the apex of the Jewish kingdom that God had called into that area. But in this example, that's why Jonah is such a big change. Jonah is sent to proclaim repentance to a Gentile people. And it's also important that Jesus picks Jonah as the symbol of his re resurrection. Because Jesus is about to open the kingdom up for everybody. Amen? And we know this because, of course, he says in Mark chapter 16, we know the, the, the Great Commission from that book, right? What does he say? He says, let's get there. Go into all the world, everybody say the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, <clears throat> he's not talking about the animals, but some folks... He's the creatures he's talking about are the human beings. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Or if you want to look, use the Old Testament word, cursed. That's the same word. Amen? Well, cursed, not in the sense that you have a spell on you, because we got to get that out of our minds. Because every time we think of curse, we think of witches and things of that nature. He's not talking about a curse like you're under an omen or you're under, but you're just in disobedience and your life is not going to go the way God intended it to go because you won't obey him. Amen? Is that clear? And he goes on to say, 
And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This was the Great Commission. And so Jonah is a prelude to the Great Commission. But this is also, this story reminds me of, well, before I go there, so what Jonah had to get over was his dislike for these people because Jonah wants these people to be destroyed. <laughs> I mean, he says it in chapter 3. Yeah, let's go back to chapter 3 and just read his response when they're all repenting. He's like, uh, no, it's actually chapter 4, first part of 4 says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly that they repented. That's from the other chapter. So he prayed to God that he would die. Now, you, you really must not like these people if you want to die because they're going to live. That's not a good sign. Amen? But see, this is, this is telling us that even, even though God will use you in a mighty way, and my goodness, you talk about a revival, 120,000 people just repented and, and turned from their wicked ways to God, and you're mad about it because you wanted them to die. And I know sometimes we can hate people so much that we don't want the best for them in any circumstance. Huh? I hope none of that means, I hope none of that is us. But you know what I mean. Sometimes we get so upset with some people that we don't want anything good to happen to them. Huh? Or maybe, maybe, maybe y'all are too holy for that. So let's switch it around. There's some people that don't want anything good to happen to you. How's that? <laughs> but I hope we don't hate people that, and like that. But Jonah does not like Ninev the Ninevites or the, the Assyrians. And this is what we're going through in all the nations of the world. There's groups of people that just don't like other groups of people, and they don't want them to prosper. But when God shows up, all that stuff has to go out the window. Jonah had the wrong attitude. Even though he did what he was told to do, he had the wrong attitude. Amen? But that goes to show us that God will still use you even if you have the wrong attitude. Say that out loud with me. God will use me even if I have the wrong attitude. But see, the thing about this, the thing about it is God is not going to let you stay with that attitude. You may go and you may do something for him in a wrong attitude, but sooner or later, he's going to address that bad attitude. And let me show you, this was a prelude to another story that we see in the book of Acts. So let's go to chapter 10 of the book of Acts. Because remember, we just read the Great Commission, right? Right? Everybody, we just read the Great Commission. What did that say? Go to, to every nation and preach the gospel. So this is early on in after the, the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost. The church has been born. The church is growing. But the church is all Jewish. 
at this point. So God, not wanting to repeat the Jonah story, everybody said God did not want to repeat Jonah. He lets Peter in on what he was going to do. And he gives him a vision, three visions, and tells him to rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, I don't eat anything unclean or common. And he says, what I've purified or what I've cleansed, don't call common or unclean. And he had to do it three times. Everybody says, how many know in the mouth of two or three witnesses, what happens? Every word is established. And Peter still didn't get it. Let's go to verse 17 of chapter 10. It says, now, while Peter wondered within himself what the, this vision which he had sent, been sent meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, everybody said, the Spirit said, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to them. And let's jump down to uh, verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming and Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. See, Gentiles have to learn how to not worship in the wrong way. But Jews have to learn to treat Gentiles like they're part of God's creation. So you notice Cornelius had an issue. Even though he was praying to God, he still revered man equally to God. Are you with me here? You might say, well, why is that important? Well, back then, they worshipped emperors. Caesar was a god. They called him Lord. That's why he had a problem when people walked around saying, Jesus is Lord. He says, wait a minute, I'm the Lord around there, and let me show you. I'll kill you and show you that I'm Lord. <laughs> so Cornelius is a Roman, and he's dealing with some of his Roman training, if you will. But notice Peter deals with and lifted him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, and here we are, here we are. This is, this is where uh, Jonah was, but this is where Peter jumps over, okay? He says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Huh, didn't that sound familiar? He said, but God. Everybody say, but God. That's, you always got to remember, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent, for I ask you then, for what reason have you sent for me? And Cornelius told him about the vision, so I'll skip that part. And then um, go to 44. 
says, while Peter was speaking, he was telling them about the gospel, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Everybody say astonished. Why? Because they didn't think the Gentiles were included. That's why they're shocked. Huh? But God, and, and, this, and, and let's, let's finish the story. And as many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. So because God wanted to open the kingdom up, he had to open up Peter's heart to receive. This is, this is nothing more than prejudice, folks. And who was the one that dealt with prejudice? We, we said it, but God. <laughs> God deals with people's prejudices. God fixes hearts. The laws can't change people's hearts. You might say, well, how, do you, why, how come you say that, Pastor? Because if they legalize anything, people will start doing it. I don't care what it is. If they legalize murder tomorrow, Murder would be rampant in the streets. You might say, well, no, some people, some people wouldn't do it. But if it was legal, come on now. <laughs> Somebody cross you, man, you'd be down in a minute. It would be complete lawlessness. Because legal laws don't change people's hearts. They just give people permission to do things. But that doesn't mean you always have to do what you have permission to do. Amen. But in this case, God changes Peter's heart. Let's go back to Jonah. Jonah had to have a heart transplant, but he had to be, it had to be seen in a different way. God showed him, used the, the tree to show Jonah his heart. And Jonah was happy about this tree. Glad it was providing him shade. And then all of a sudden, the tree was withered away, and then Jonah didn't have the shade, and he suffered for it. And so God's showing us, look at you. You're all up in arms about a tree that you have nothing to do with, don't, don't care one way or the other about it. He says, can you not have the same compassion for 120,000 people? As he calls it, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. What does that really mean? He means they don't know the right, what's right and what's wrong is what he's saying. And now I'm giving them a chance to learn it and you're mad about it? That's what God is trying to get Jonah to see, using a tree that he adored. Isn't that, isn't that how we are? We love inanimate objects. But when it comes to f people, we don't like people. We love our pets. But don't be messing with me. <laughs> huh? I told you one day I went into the store and, you know, I'm used to seeing people with dogs. Lord, help me. In the store now. Because it used to be you couldn't bring, unless it was a, a service dog, it couldn't come in. But I saw somebody with a rabbit. <laughs> a rabbit in the store. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. What is the reason for the rabbit? 
it can't help you. It can't help you find nothing. It can't direct you down the aisle. And they, they're carrying the rabbit. I thought she was, she was holding the baby, to be honest with you, because she was holding it like this. And I only saw her back. I said, what? that's an awful quiet baby. And I walked up there. It was a rabbit. <laughs> so we love our pets, but we don't like people. And God is telling you, it's okay to have like pets. It really is okay. Say it's okay to like pets. But you also need to love people. Amen? Look, I, I've had dogs. I've had dogs all my life. At one time, we had five dogs and like six cats. Because when my sister found a cat, and it started having kittens. You know how that is. And I didn't like cats very much. But I like dogs because you could wrestle with dogs. <laughs> Cats just look at you and say, look, don't bother me right now. <laughs> I got stuff to do, man. But I don't mind liking animals, but people are the most important thing in God's program. The Bible says that, it says, don't two birds die and your father knows all about you, them, he says, are you not more valuable than birds? Or he used the word sparrows. So he's telling us that people have a higher worth than animals. He didn't say animals had no worth. Because he said he's aware of the animal too. But he says, but people are more important than animals. And that's what he's trying to, he uses this object lesson to get Jonah to get out of his prejudicial hatred of the Assyrians. Only God can fix a person's heart. You can do all the programs. Master Marquise talked about this yesterday. You could do all the self-help programs that you think you want to do. You can be empathetic, sympathetic, uh, whatever-thetic you are. But if you don't get a heart change, you're not going to like people. Because people push you to the limit. I mean, we all know that. Our own kids push us to the limit. And we have to back off and say, there are kids still, <laughs> right? You got to love them. You may not like them right now, <laughs> but you got to love them. And God is constantly trying to get us to see in the pages of his word that he wants us to love people. You might say, so the context is Jonah didn't like the Ninevites, so he didn't want to preach to them. The message is that God wants you to do what he says, even though you may not like him. And by the way, as you're going, you need to learn to like people. You need to rejoice when they turn from their wicked ways. I mean, just imagine. Think of this. Your worst neighbor. Just imagine if they got saved and all of a sudden became an, a model neighbor. Wouldn't that be the most wonderful thing? Now there's one person you don't have to worry about anymore. I mean, salvation is the solution for the world, but they just don't want it. <laughs> They'd rather be mad. They'd rather fight because it's too easy to surrender because they think surrender is a sign of weakness. But it's really the power, most powerful position of a human being is to surrender to God's plan. 
Because once you surrender to his plan, then he now has permission to do something in your circumstances. Amen? So we see Jonah is not only just a picture of learning to be obedient, but it's also about changing your heart so it lines up with what God wants. It's so important that as we do the gospel, live the gospel, talk about the gospel, that our heart lines up with his heart. We should not hate people because they won't, haven't accepted Christ. We should not be so quick to condemn them to hell because they don't know Jesus. Our goal is to begin to pray, and that's, that's why I believe God causes us to intercede for people, because you cannot pray for the well-being of someone long enough and not begin to care for them. Am I right? Anybody ever have a situation where you were mad at somebody, and God specifically tells you to pray for them? And you don't want to do it. I've, look, I've been, he's done that to me many times. Well, I shouldn't say many, a few times. And I said, Lord, I don't want to pray for them. There was one, one, one person that was, a, uh, was actually a client, and they made me upset. And I was just, because I usually pray for all my clients, I couldn't wait to erase him off that list. <laughs> I was tired of him. God said, keep him on there for a while. I said, well, God, he ain't my client anymore. And, and, and like God said, did I ask you that? Did I ask you what he was? Do you not think I know what his position is? I said, keep his name on there because you got issues with him. So I kept his name on there. So I'm still praying for this person. But my heart has changed towards him because now I no longer am upset about it. And see, notice how it didn't just, it's, not, I'm, it's probably changing him, but it changed me. Everybody say, it changed me. When you pray, it changes you first. You got to get the right attitude, the right heart, the right mindset. And that's really what prayer is all about. It's about changing us, changing our circumstances, changing the people that we're praying for. It's about change. Amen? All right, well, I'm done. So this is Jonah. You're not going to be swallowed by a fish. He may not tell you to go to Nineveh, but there are points in there that we can all learn from and hear as the Lord speaks to us through the book of Jonah. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jonah's testimony. And Lord, we don't hold Jonah in a low regard because he was just a human being just like we are. The scripture says that Elijah was a like man as we are. Well, Jonah is the same thing. He is just a, called to be a prophet. And Lord, we thank you for using Jonah as you use us. And Lord, help us to have the right attitudes. Help us to cast off all our prejudices and our biases against groups of people just because they belong to a certain group. And let us have your heart for people. Your word says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. And that means we have to love them like you love them in order to 
accomplish the Great Commission. So, Lord, give us a heart to love people and give us a capacity to forgive those that may have injured us or maybe we injured them, but whatever the breakdown is, give us the capacity to go through and be delivered from this those situations. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to speak to our hearts in this season. And we pray for a stirring, a revival to break out in your people so that we could see your glory manifested in our midst. So thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name and everyone's name. We thank you for listening to today's sermon. And we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires. We at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150 South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the word of God.